morning, Lydia House. We are glad that you are here. And if you're not here, we're glad that you're there. But uh, we worship together regardless. Where two or three are gathered, we, we believe that we're gathered together, whether it's Zoom or whether you're watching it some other way. So let's uh, turn to the Lord in prayer and thanksgiving and praise and honor. We thank you, Father, for this beautiful day. We thank you that you are here. We thank you, Jesus, that you are here where two or three are gathered in your name. We bless you. We bless you that you so designed that you would bring your people together at least once a week, that we would gather together to be strengthened, to encourage one another. I pray that today and in the days ahead, we would be good at encouraging one another. And we know that when we encourage one another, we are built up. We also pray for our nation today. God, we ask that you would uh, be among us as we uh, pray. You tell us, above all, first things, pray for our nation. Chris, would you lead us here? We do thank you, Lord Jesus, for the privilege to meet together uh, in your name. And uh, we thank you. We pray you would speak to us all. We pray you would speak to the people who are watching today, that you would give us revelation. Um, the prophet Isaiah said, uh, referring, it was messianic verses, was saying that, uh, give us the ears of one who is taught. Uh, as Jesus learned from the Father, Lord, would you give us the, the ears and the, the heart to, to hear from you today through the message, through this week. We need to hear you, and we need to follow you, and we need to be obedient. And we do pray for our country, and we pray that people would be seeking you. We pray for revival. We pray for repentance, and we pray for our, our city, too, in the George Floyd trial. We pray that people would be... Uh, convicted and knowing that they can't be violent and we just pray for your holy spirit to to move over the city and we thank you and, and praise you bless the service today in the name of christ amen we have an offering box up in the front obviously that's not going to work if you're not here but if you're here and want to use it here it is and you're welcome to uh, give online there are a variety of ways of giving and thank you Many of you, most of you, I'm sure, are generous givers, and that's much appreciated. That keeps the ministry going and extending. And in fact, I'll be leaving here. I'll be running from here at about 11.45 because I'm heading to Arkansas. There's a church that experienced... Do I look better? <laughs> Karen likes me better like this, so I'm going to do this. Uh, that experienced life in the Holy Spirit, a Missouri Synod Lutheran Church, and uh, they have a strong doctrinal stance, and many of them don't regard the work of the Holy Spirit like we do, but this one does. They've entered in, and they want more, and so I'll be leaving, running out of here a little before 12, and flying to Atlanta, and then back up to Little Rock, and I'll be gone for four days. So thank you for thinking of me and thinking of them at St. John's Church. Where is it? No, that's the name of the pastor. 
He's also St. John, but I don't think that's the name of the church. Should we, should we all pray for you for that? I'd appreciate it. Let's do that. One, one or two people, go ahead and just shout out. openness and your and their openness and their willingness to invite you in all the ways you uh love on us and give us your power lord we pray for travel mercies for pastor paul and that he would get there rejuvenated and ready to go thank you we also want to pray for people for healing we believe in healing at this point, we haven't seen the amount that we expect to see. I fully expect God to break through any day, and we'll see healings that we, pre we prayed for, like we prayed for Naomi for 30, 30 years for healing, and we're going to continue to pray every day until we see it. So raise your hand if you have a, a need, whether we're in the knot, you, know, you don't need to share it, but if you have a a healing need, raise your hand, and we're going to pray for those who have, you're going to pray for them? Yes. Thank you, Lord, for your word from Psalm 107 today, verse 20. He sent forth his word and healed them. Yeah. Lord, that's not difficult for you. Yeah. You sent forth your word by your word. We trust in you for healing in Jesus' name. Yeah. Thank you, Father. It's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful, Lord, when we can trust in you and know that you will bring healing. We ask you in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen. Amen. Let's prepare our heart for worship. It's good. Let a man examine himself, it says in Scripture. And we don't focus on ourselves for a long time, but it's good to look and say, anything out of place, anything out of adjustment? Have I used any words that were unkind? It's easy to happen with people you love. Karen and I find that happens once in a while. And, uh, we need to say, hey, I'm sorry I said that. I didn't mean it. So we, we prepare now as we, we want to experience all that God has for us this morning. So we do confess unto you that sometimes our words are hurtful. Sometimes our thoughts are not good. Sometimes our attitudes stink. And so we pray that you would cleanse us. Cleanse us by your word. Cleanse us. Open our heart now so that we are ready to celebrate you. Thank you for bringing Lake Steph and Kaylee and Nate back and his family. So we rejoice. And let's stand together. Just briefly greet those who are near you. We stand. Say hi to somebody. You can wave at them if you want to. That works. And then, Ruth, you have an announcement, right? Ruth, could you give that announcement, or do you think it's better to do it right before the end? Why don't we do it at the end, because then they're going to walk past it, and that'll be easier, so they don't have to remember anything.
People don't like remembering things, right? So remind me if I forget. Remind me to remember. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. First week back. It's been, we were trying to figure out. Thank you. I, I know I'm standing really near the TV, so you may not notice that I'm here and not on Zoom. I don't know. It's pretty much the same. It's wonderful to be back. Um, yeah, a lot of pra praise with reports. I mean, God's kept our family healthy and safe, and nobody got COVID, and now Sarah and I are all vaccinated and ready to go, so thank you for your patience, and let's do it. In and Jesus' we name. We have a new song from Kaylee. As you know, Kaylee is our resident songwriter. Yes, and she wrote this one very recently and surprised me with it. Mm -hmm. And it's very fun. So Kaylee is going to start us off with a new song. Should I say the title? You can say whatever you want. Okay. It's called Flying. There was a time in my life where I thought I could not fly. I thought that I was stuck here on the ground. <coughs> we have all had that time where we thought we could not fly. We all thought that we were stuck here on the ground. Then you lifted up my head and you pointed straight ahead and you told me that I would not fall this time. And now I'm flying higher than I thought was possible. And I'm flying, 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 flying with you. And now I'm flying higher than I thought was possible. And now I'm flying, 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 flying with you. And now I'm soaring, 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 and I'm the Lord, and I know. My voice is getting loud, and my spirit's rising up, and my feet are dancing off the floor right now. Now our voice is getting loud, and the spirit's rising up, and our feet are dancing off the floor right now. And now I'm flying, having out that was possible, and now I'm
she, yeah, 10. She'll be 11 soon. She's been writing songs since she was six. Well, since she was two, before earlier than two. I mean, publishable songs <laughs> since she was six. And she's going to do another one on Easter. She just has to decide which one. All right, well, let's continue to praise the Lord. I encourage you to stand or sit or kneel or whatever helps you uh, get into the presence of God. It's another Lenten Sunday, so we're focusing on the cross of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. So this one is really great lyrically, and it's very hymny. Hymns are kind of nice during this time of year. I think you all know this one. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, Fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. The power of hell. The power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of 
here in the power of Christ I stand. Thank you, Jesus. We do stand. We stand in your power, in your light. We stand in awe of the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross. We thank you for it. Jesus, we thank you for it. Let's all take a moment. We can just close our eyes, and I want you to think about Jesus on the cross. Picture him there. It's hard to look at, but I want you to look at it. And just sit in his presence for a minute. Listen to the story About a love more faithful than the morning Father who gave his only son Just to save us The earth was shaking in the dark all creation felt the Father's broken heart And tears were filling heaven's eyes The day the true love died The day the true love died When blood and water hit the ground Walls we couldn't move came crashing down And we were free and made alive the day the true love died, the day the true love died. Search your heart, I know you can't deny it. Come on, lose your life just so you can find it. His only son just to save us. The earth was shaking in the dark. All creation felt the Father's broken heart. Tears were filling heaven's eyes. The day the true love died, the day the true love died, when blood and water hit the ground. Walls we couldn't move came crashing down And we were free and made alive The day the true love died The day the true love died The earth, the earth was shaking in the dark All creation felt the Father's broken hearts Tears were filling heaven's eyes The day the true love died The day the true love died when blood and water hit the ground Walls we couldn't move came crashing down And we were free and 
Jesus is alive. 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 Yes, He is alive. He rose again. When blood and water hit the ground, walls we couldn't move came crashing down. We were free and made alive The day the true love died The day the true love died When blood and water hit the ground Walls we couldn't move came crashing down And we were free and made alive The day the true love died Now Jesus is alive Come close, listen to the story. Let's just sing out to the Lord. Sing in English, you can sing in a tongue. If you don't have the gift of tongues, just open up your mouth and let the Spirit move you. We thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Jesus, 
my heart will sing no other name jesus jesus my heart will sing no other name jesus jesus my heart will sing no other name jesus jesus my heart will sing no other name jesus jesus my heart will sing no other name jesus Jesus, my heart will sing, no other name, Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing, no other name, Jesus, Jesus, you're all I on the cross was a complete success you did everything you set out to do and you declared it is finished we thank you for your finished work on the cross and Lord we give to you everything that we are carrying right now that we're not meant to carry we give you our shame over our sins and failings we give you grudges or unforgiveness that we may be holding on to. We give you our pain. We give you our suffering. We give you the difficulties over this last year. We give it all to you, Jesus. I imagine that if the song had been written yet when you were on the cross, you may have sang, It Is Well With My Soul. As you died freely, you gave yourself up for us. We thank you for that. We ask that you would help us to give ourselves up as well, to give ourselves up to you.
We thank you that it was well with you, despite all that you went through on the cross. You knew you had won the victory for us. We thank you and praise you for that. And Satan saw Stephen Warner, and he was terribly misled, because what he thought was a victory was a terrible defeat. And we're so grateful that you won the victory. Yes, yes. And he lost. Thank you. And so he loses in our life as well. That's right. That's right. Does anyone have a word this morning that they feel is from the Lord for the group? Ruth, please. Well, the, when we're singing it as well, um, the Lord laid Psalm 1 on my heart. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scorners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, but whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Because when you go through those times of drought, you know, we feel like there's nothing left, but we do always have Jesus. We do always have the source of living waters. And we can keep meditating on God's word and walking in communion with him and drawing, just drawing by faith from his presence and from his word, from his ability, from his life, giving Holy Spirit. And, you know, these times of drought aren't going to last forever. And in due season, we will bring forth the fruit that he had planned all along. But we just get our roots deeper into him when we go through these times. Amen. Can you, can you just pray that for us? Okay. Please. Oh, Lord, I just thank you. Oops, I do. I thank you for the privilege of praying Psalm 1 back to you, Lord. And Lord, as there's so much going on, and especially in this digital age, it's so easy to get distracted by so many things. But Lord, help us to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor to stand in the way of sinners, nor to sit in the seat of the scornful. But Lord, help us remember and choose to delight, to, 
to delight in your law and to delight in your word and to meditate on it day and night. And thank you that as we do that, we shall be like trees planted by the rivers of water that shall bring forth our fruit in the right season. And our, by faith, we can know, one day at a time, we can know and trust that my leaf will not wither. Yeah. And whatsoever you call us to do in your name will prosper. Yeah. And Lord, you say that the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the way. Uh, sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But thank you, Lord, that you know the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Amen. Thank you. I was thinking about how death has lost its sting. Uh -huh. And when we think of that, we think of death, the physical death, but all of us go through death-like experiences where something dies, and it can be very difficult. Something's dying inside of us. It could be a relationship. It could be an opportunity in the future, and we feel like our future is dying and something is dying. But not only has death, physical death, lost its sting, but those experiences in our life, we need to believe that when we go through a death like that, there's a resurrection coming. So we believe in the resurrection because Jesus died and death, those experiences in our life, have lost their sting. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. 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 We're going to talk somewhat about that today. Um, please open your Bibles to John chapter 19, starting with verse 28. We uh, went over the first part of this passage last week, and we're going to do the rest today. John 19, verse 28. And it's so cool to be standing in the room <laughs> with, with you all. This is really fun. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And it's that last verse that we're going to focus on today. Jesus needed to wet his whistle, so to speak, to say his final words loud enough for people to hear. And those final words were, it is finished, mm -hmm. which I think was probably a shout. I think he did it probably as loud as he was physically able at that time, as injured as he was. Mm -hmm. I think he yelled, it is finished. Um, it is finished doesn't mean, like, I'm done. Okay, It's not saying I'm done. It's not saying I'm out of here. It's been real. It's, it's not a mic drop moment or something like that. Um, it's closer to Japan in the, in the Japanese. We have a number of Japanese speakers here today. Um, in, Japan, in Japanese, you go, yata, which literally means I did it. But yata is like a, it's like a victory cry. It's like a, I, I accomplished it. I won. Right? Is that, is that the right connotation? I only lived there for three years. So maybe I got it wrong. But I, OK. So I think it's, it's not just. I did it. It's triumphant. And I think this is something closer to that. So I, I did it. 
it's done, I won. So what, what did he win? What did he do? What did he fulfill? What did he finish on the cross? What did Jesus come to do? Anyone? Anyone? He came to die. Yes, he did. Break the power of sin. Break the power of sin. Save us. We're, we're hitting 100% so far. Those are all right. Give us a home for eternity. Give us a home for eternity. That's a nice one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. That's... She is too, because Phil's there. Amen. To destroy the works of the enemy. So it sounds like he came to do a lot of stuff, right? I mean, in reality, Jesus came to do one thing. It's just that one thing is so big, it's so massive, it's so insanely huge and complex that you can't really describe it with just one metaphor. The Bible uses many. I'm not going to repeat them all because it would take the entire sermon. Literally, it's, it's, it's in there that much, and I'm not even going to touch on the Old Testament ones. Um, real quickly, here are some of them. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, and he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that's part of what Jesus came to do, take away the sin of the world. Uh, Luke 19, verse 10, The Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. So he came to find what was lost, which was what? Us, right? Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's an interesting metaphor. You pay a ransom to a kidnapper or a slave owner or something like that, right? And so the metaphor here is he came and gave his life to pay that ransom and buy us back. I like that one. 1 Timothy 1.15, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He specifically came after sinners. Uh, I've seen Christians sometime in the church look down on sinners and look at sinners as our enemies sometimes. That, that is not true. They're our mission. Sinners are the point. That's why we're here. It's why we exist. Jesus came into the world to save them, even if they are mean or wrong or violent or awful or whatever the case may be, even if they're very different from us, that's why he came. And that's why we are here now as the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm starting to preach, Paul. Go for it. 1 John 3, 5. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. So our sins aren't just forgiven. They're removed from us. That's a good deal. They're taken away entirely. As far as the east is from the west, i.e. infinite. Uh, a couple of verses later, 1 John 3, 8. Now, he just said why Jesus appeared. Now he says again why Jesus appeared. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil. That's an interesting take on it, right? All of these are true, by the way. He came to do all of this, and he accomplished it doing one thing. Luke 4.18, this is a quote. Jesus is quoting uh, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There's another target, the poor in particular. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He came to proclaim freedom to those in prison. And recovery of sight for the blind. Healing. And I think that's also 
metaphorical sight for the blind, spiritually blind, to set the oppressed free. People oppressed. I, I think mental illness there. I think depression and that sort of thing, which I have experienced, and I certainly appreciate being set free. Amen? Amen. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus came to do a lot of stuff, and he is super efficient, and he accomplished it all in one task. Amen? That task was the cross. And Jesus himself declared it is finished. We don't have to wonder whether or not Jesus was successful. Okay? It worked. Yata! He did it. So I was going to write it on the board, but most of you, well, a couple of you care about Greek. Um, but only a couple. Um, so Jesus said, it is finished. In Greek, that's the word tetelestai. It's one word, it is finished, but in Greek, one word, tetelestai. Now, tetelestai is actually a really common Greek word, Greek phrase. You find it all the time, particularly in business documents, interestingly enough. Um, you find it at the bottom of ancient Greek documents that are contracts or receipts. You find it at the bottom. So Jesus used to be uh, some sort of builder, right? The Bible says builder. Could have been carpenter, stonemason, artist. I'm not really sure exactly. We'll find out. So he was very, very familiar with contracts because he spent his entire life up till he was 30 years old working. He worked real job with real people for real people and had to deal with customer service <laughs> and had to deal with all that kind of stuff in order to provide for his family. As the oldest male after his father died, he was in charge of taking care of his family. Jesus spent almost his entire life taking care of his family. That's what he did with most of his life on earth. Isn't that interesting? This is not the sermon, but I want you to think about it for a second. He spent most of his life on earth taking care of his family. He's the son of God. You'd think he would have been about doing, I don't know, son of God stuff. Turns out that is son of God stuff. Turns out taking care of your family is a godly thing to do. It's what Jesus chose to spend the vast majority of his life doing. So never think that what you might be doing somehow isn't valuable. You may not have popular YouTube videos or fame or anything like that. But if you are doing the work God has called you to do, you are fulfilling all righteousness. You are in God's will. You are doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Amen. That was exactly what Jesus was supposed to do. He did it. And so that was not the sermon. That one's free. The, the other one will cost you. No, just kidding. It costs Jesus. We don't have to pay. Oh, I'm giving it away. Um, so Jesus was familiar with contracts. He would have done this often. You know, someone comes to him, hey, I'd like you to build these shelves. And Jesus says, okay, they write up a little contract. After the contract is completed, when the shelves are built and the shelves are paid for, mm -hmm. at the bottom of the contract they, or the receipt, they write tetelestai, mm -hmm. which means it is finished. Mm -hmm. You found that at the bottom of completed contracts all the time. You also found it on the bottom of completed prison sentences. When someone was sent to prison, they got, they got a, an official paper from the governor, whoever sentenced them, that said, here is the crime this person was convicted of. Here's how long they need to serve. Once the sentence is served, or the sentence is paid for by somebody else uh, with money, because that was pretty normal back then. At the bottom of that prison sentence sheet, it said to tell us that, paid in full. And so we see both of those in these verses we read. So paid in full in terms of a contract or a receipt, he gave his life as a ransom for many. He paid for us. He paid for our sins, right? That's what tetelestai means. That's what Jesus is declaring here on the cross. And also, to proclaim freedom from the prisoners. That's why Jesus came. 
to set those prisoners free. Again, to tell us that at the bottom. It is finished, paid in full. And so Jesus was shouting a victory shout at the end. He finished what it is that he set out to do. He completed all that he was supposed to accomplish, which was, in a nutshell, the new covenant. The new covenant. A covenant is a, is a type of contract. We talked about that a little bit last week. And Jesus said, this contract is fulfilled. Now, last week we talked about how in the ancient world, uh, they would cut a covenant. That was the verb they used, to cut a covenant. Covenant is a very special kind of contract. A covenant involves uh, a promise from either side or multiple promises. And then it involves usually an exchange of gifts or tokens to represent what was happening. It involves vows that you will fulfill this. And then it involves blood. Ancient covenants always involve blood, a blood sacrifice. They cut a covenant by cutting an animal in half. And they would take the blood, or the person officiating would take the blood, and they would cover it over the person. And we're not talking make a little sign of the cross on their forehead with this blood. We're talking blood like that. The reason being, they, people wanted to remember this contract. The point was you feel it, you smell it, you taste it. This is serious. And these vows you make are serious. And as you walk through that sacrifice, you say, may this happen to me if I break this covenant. Okay, So this was serious business. Okay, Bible times are gory compared to today, right? These folks were very earthy, very real, okay? Uh, they weren't nice and proper, like some of us like to think. It was blood everywhere, nasty. But that was the point. The point was, this is serious, this is nasty. And Jesus, on the cross, he ratifies the new covenant, which was a better covenant and very different than the old one, which we'll look at in a second, Marriage is a covenant, right? right? That's a great example of one that we see you know, all the time. There are promises made. You have vows to each other. You exchange gifts, right? Rings, wrong finger. Rings, right? As a token, as a reminder, as a gift. And there's blood in the marriage covenant uh, on the wedding night. Typically, there is blood. I don't need to explain that anymore, do I? If you've ever wondered why biologically that is the case, by the way, this is why. Because God intended marriage to be a covenant, and a covenant requires blood. And they go down the aisle. And they, they walk right down the aisle. Yep. So there, there's a lot of parallels there between uh, that covenant that we still express and the ancient covenants. Now, to enter into the old covenant, blood was required as well. Right, And the ladies may get the raw end of the deal on the marriage covenant, but on the entering into the old covenant with God, the fellas got the rough job with circumcision. Right? Blood was required, sacrifice was required to enter into the old covenant. Jesus is finishing the old covenant and starting a new covenant. And he completes it, and he says, it is finished. And the new covenant is way better because Jesus fulfills both terms. Ours and God's. Jesus says, I'm going to fulfill both of the, your requirements, and I'm going to be the sacrifice. It's through my blood 
that this covenant takes place, that we enter in. That's why the Bible uses all this language, which seems really weird to our modern ears, like, by the blood of Jesus Christ, so-and-so, right? And people who aren't used to churchy language, sometimes they come into churches and hear these songs and we're singing about the blood and stuff like that. And they're just like, what is going on? These guys are nuts. Happily singing about blood. Well, this is, this is the language. This, it's covenant language. That's what it's talking about. It's through the blood of Jesus, the blood of the covenant that we enter in to his family. And that's what the new covenant means. And Jesus finished it on the cross. He previewed it a little bit at the Last Supper, and then he finished it at the cross. And he said, to tell this guy, it's done. Yata, he did it. So what does that mean for us, though? A lot. <laughs> we could literally talk all year about what the cross means for us, about what the atonement means for us, what the sacrifice Jesus said means for us. I'm going to focus on what I think is the main thing. Jesus paid our debt in full. Okay, that's kind of what to tell us that means. It means paid in full at the bottom of our contract for all the sin we ever committed. So all the debt, the penalty, the punishment, the pain, the shame of all of our sins were covered by Jesus. And I realize that's a little timey-wimey because he died a long time ago, right? But when he died, he didn't just die for the sins of those standing there. He died for the sins of all of humanity past and all of humanity future, including us. So the contract is already ratified for us. The sins are already paid for. But many Christians that I have met do not live their life as if their debt is paid. They live their life as if they're still trying to earn it somehow. They understand enough of grace to realize that God's letting them off the hook, but they don't understand it enough to realize they don't have to strive for it anymore. They don't have to work for it. They don't have to earn brownie points with God. They don't have to get right with God because they're already right with God through the cross. This is a real problem. And I've counseled and discipled, I don't know, probably a couple hundred people. And not as many as Paul, but a lot. And one of the most common problems, sorry about this, in my experience with that is people not understanding the cross. I'm pointing at a cross for those who are at home. Not understanding what Jesus did. Not understanding that when Jesus said, it is finished, it's done now. You don't have to have any shame. You shouldn't have any shame. Jesus took that on the cross. It says that literally. He took our shame. He took our sorrows. He took our sins and all the penalty for those sins. They're already gone. We don't need to earn God's favor like that anymore. We don't need to atone for our own sin. How many times have you felt, oh, I really screwed up. God, I'll make up for it. How many times have we felt, oh, man, I, I've been messing up for a long time. I, I'm falling away. I really need to get back to Jesus. Somehow what I did broke the work of the cross. My sin was somehow more powerful than the blood of Jesus. And I'm lost now. But that's a lie, right? That is a lie from that guy who doesn't want us to be close to God doesn't want us to feel close to God, when the reality is we're already close to him. We're as close to him as we can ever possibly get because we are now related to him by blood, the blood of Jesus. He adopted us into his family. And through our baptism, we died with him. We were crucified with Christ and raised to new life, and we are something new now. 
We're a new creation, a new creature, the Bible says. We're different than the one who died. We're somebody new. That shame died with us. The separation died with us. How, how, how many of you have heard sin separates us from God? Okay, We've all probably heard that. I was taught that in various places when I grew up. Sin separates us from God. And when you're talking about sinners, when you're talking about people in the Old Covenant, that is true. In the Old Covenant, sin separates us from God. In the New Covenant, to say that sin separates us from God is heresy. Somebody woke up. The H-bomb. It's heresy for a Christian to say sin separates me from God. It doesn't happen anymore. Why? I'll tell you. Isaiah 59, um, a lot of great stuff in Isaiah 59 about Jesus and what his work was going to be on the cross. Isaiah 59, 60, 61. It was God's teaser trailer. And it says this, your iniquities have separated you from your God. He's talking to people under the old covenant. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So in the old covenant, our sins separated us from God. And this metaphor is displayed over and over and over again in the Hebrew religion. All the feasts deal with separation. The way they had to kill their food deals with separation. Think about the temple and the tabernacle. That's one of the best examples, I think. So the tabernacle and temple, you have the area right outside, the outer courts, and then there's walls, and then you have inner courts, and then there's walls, and you have the holy place, and then there's walls or a veil, and you have the most holy place, or the holy of holies. Separation after separation after separation after separation. That is a visual aid to all the people in the New Covenant to say, I am holy, you are not. And that's what creates the separation. Um, we got props. We got props, people. So I like this one. Um, sin separates from God under the Old Covenant because holiness and sin cannot mix. They cannot cohabitate. That's part of what the word holy even means in Hebrew is separate. And so God is holy and we are not. We can't come together like, like two ends of magnets. They repel each other. It doesn't work. And so God instituted the old covenant as a way to sort of temporarily make up for that fact so that his people could still follow him and also to point to something, to point to Jesus. Jesus is the point of the sacrifices. He's the point of Passover. And so under the old covenant, we're like this, and we can't, like I might be able to push them together for just a second, but, but they don't stay. And this is the old covenant. We are separated from God by our sin. And then Jesus died on the cross. That happened. It was finished. The new covenant is ratified, and we die in our baptism. And what happens is we get flipped. We die, we're crucified with Christ, and then we're raised to new life. And we are changed into something else that is not separated from God anymore. It's connected. It's actually hard to pull this apart. Okay? So this is us normally. We can't. Our sin separates us from God. But the new covenant made a way by letting us die in that old self, in that sin. And Jesus builds us back up, renews us. We are a new creature, a new creation. We have been raised to new life in Jesus Christ, and we're different than we were before. He changes it. He flips the script, and now 
we can't be separated no matter what we want to do. No matter how hard we try, we can't be separated from God now. Everybody with me? Our sins don't separate us from God anymore. So for someone who's still under the old covenant, for someone who's not saved, who's not in Christ, yes, their sin separates them from God still. Because they haven't entered in to the new covenant that Jesus fulfilled and finished on the cross. But as soon as they do, bang, oops, wrong way. (laughs) They're not, and then they are. And this, this is really important, I think, because... When this happened, when the cross took place, when Jesus died, when he took all the penalty of all the sin upon himself and made a way for us to enter into the new covenant, there is nothing now that can keep us away from God. Nothing. At the end of Romans 6, 7, and 8, if if you want more about this, read Romans 6, 7, and 8, and then read it again and read it again. Read it every day, Romans 6, 7, and 8, for a whole month. And then start talking to people about what it means. Because <laughs> we need to get that drilled into us, folks, about the law and the gospel and the difference between the two. Because now that we are in the new covenant, nothing can separate us from God, not even our sin. Paul says, nothing past, nothing future. No future sin we can do can separate us from God. Yeah. Wow. How is that possible? Because Jesus already paid for all our future sins. Nothing can separate us from him now. To tell us die, it is done. It's paid in full. It's finished. He was serious about that. <laughs> he was really serious. It is finished. Everything that Jesus wanted to accomplish, he successfully accomplished on the cross. And the new covenant is so much better than we even realize. It's so much bigger, so much wider. And I, I, I've known a lot of Christians who, who struggle with this. They, they believe, like, part of it, like, if I receive Jesus, then I get fire insurance to, like, not go to hell or something. But the reality is, no. If you receive Jesus, if you enter into the new covenant, you're in God's family now. You don't just have a get-out-of-jail-free card. You have a life card. Yeah. You don't have to have shame anymore about your sin. For real. It's actually done. It's actually already paid for. It's actually already gone. The devil will constantly try to remind you about your sin to try to keep you from approaching God. We've all experienced this, I'm sure. We're praying or reading or we're trying to draw closer to God or we're just thinking about it, and the devil says, really? You're going to try to draw close to God after what you said to your spouse? Do you think that was kind? No. You don't deserve it. You're not worthy. Maybe if you work really hard and get right with God, then maybe you could approach him, but it's not going to be easy. No such thing as get right with God. You're already righteous through Jesus Christ. You can't do better than Jesus did. And you're not supposed to try because he already did it for you. I think he looks down at us and he's like, guys, I did that. I took care of the shame. Stop obsessing about your sin. I don't obsess about your sin anymore because I dealt with it a long time ago. And it was super hard and super painful, but I dealt with it. I don't remember it anymore. But God, my my sin and my failings and my past is too hard to overcome. Jesus looks at us and says, I don't remember what you're talking about. I don't remember. That's what the Bible says. He has forgotten our sin, separated it from us as far as the east is from the west. That's how powerful the cross is. And when we sin tomorrow, which we will, it still doesn't undo the cross. Okay? Your 
pathetic little sin tomorrow is not stronger than the blood of Jesus, I promise. Plus the Bible says, if Pastor Nate's promise isn't good enough. <laughs> Nothing can separate us. All we have to do is repent and receive the forgiveness that he already bought for us on the cross. That's it. And then we're right there again. We're right there. There's nothing in between. Now, sometimes we might feel like there's something in between because we feel the fellowship is maybe a little lacking. After we've been sinning or just haven't been talking to him for a while, we feel like there's separation. But that's, that's like a fellowship thing. That's not a, relation, that's not a reality thing. Okay? That's just how we feel. And part of why we feel that way is because we have this wrong way of thinking that when we sin, we screw it up. We mess that up. We somehow ruin the cross. We make it so the blood of Jesus isn't working for us anymore. That's totally untrue, totally heretical. And this is really, really important. Your sin doesn't ruin the cross. When you think about it for a second, it's obvious. Even if it's something bad. The Bible says if you are inconsiderate when living with your spouse, it'll hinder your prayers. So that's a big one. It means if you are inconsiderate to your spouse, God's going to put you on the answering machine. He's not going to bother to your repent and knock that off. So that's a pretty serious sin. Carries a special ramification, right? But even that doesn't separate us from the love of God. It doesn't undo what the cross did. It doesn't undo the blood of the covenant for us. It just makes it so that we need to change. <laughs> we need to repent right, right. and ask God to help us maybe not be so cruel mm -hmm. with our words or unkind or quick to fly off the handle or whatever our issue is. Mm -hmm. I say this because many of us here are married and marriage is hard. <laughs> and sometimes we're all inconsiderate to our spouse, right? Mm -hmm. God takes that really super seriously, but it doesn't ruin our connection to Jesus, okay? Nothing does. Nothing else in all creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So I, this, is a, this would be a whole other sermon, which we can do sometime if you want to. Yeah. But I do not believe you can lose your salvation. Hey, hey Nate, I, I had a, uh, Tim. I had a, uh, a revelation many years ago. The question about um, your standing with God. Are you right with God? Yep. That question has really two completely different aspects to it. Mm -hmm. If you think about it this way, are you right with the IRS? <laughs> that, that, you know, that's compliance, that's, a, you know, your status that, that if they came in to do an audit, you would come out okay, right? Yeah. How about you asking the question this way? Are you right with your brother? Right? That's a relationship issue. Yep. And there could be a wall there. There could mm -hmm. be... Like you say, you, you, there could be an offense. Yeah. You know? And so our, our relationship with God is really both aspects. Absolutely. Our citizenship in this kingdom of God is one aspect, but our relationship with him is a completely different aspect. Exactly. And I'm going to use the parent-child metaphor again, but you're absolutely right. There are two things happening at the same time. I call one relationship. That's how we're related to God. We're related to God because we're his kids now. That relationship never changes. He never unadopts us once he's adopted us. We died, we became a new creature. He doesn't unmake that creature and put us back to the dead thing if we don't follow the rules enough. That's not how it works. And so there's two different aspects. But if we're not walking 
by the Spirit, then we are going to feel a fellowship separation, a fellowship difference. And we all know that. If things aren't going well, maybe with your spouse, you haven't had enough chance to connect and talk, and you start getting a little short with each other, and things, things aren't getting bad, your relationship is still the same. You're still one in Christ, right? The two become one. But your fellowship is off, and you can feel that. And so sometimes we feel that with Jesus, but let's not confuse that feeling of a lack of fellowship with a lack of covenant. We are always in the covenant. We cannot get out. So let go of the guilt and the shame stuff, folks. It only holds you back. Jesus wants us to go forward. He wants us to rise up. He wants us to leave the dead guy or gal dead. Don't dig her back up. That would stink, literally. And it's pointless. Don't walk around your life carrying your own corpse. What a dumb way to do it. Let it go. Jesus paid for your freedom so you can be free. Jump into the freedom. Enjoy it. I'm not saying sin like there's no tomorrow, obviously. This is not a license to sin. That's not what I'm talking about. And again, Romans 6, 7, and 8 really hits these things home. But God wants us to walk up for you to probably feel like you're wanting to jump in. I want to because... I would like to say that this is one of the best sermons I've ever heard on the cross. It's so complete. It's so rich. I, I think you should write it up because it's worth putting out there so that we can be reminded of it day by day. This is so important. We need it because we fall back into living like Old Testament Christians and uh, you really nailed it. Ha! Nailed it. Uh, Yata! So, so thank you. And I, I love you all. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, it is. It's one of those things that we all know all this stuff, right? Way to go. You're welcome. You're welcome for that. Um, we all know this stuff, but we need to be reminded because the patterns of our thinking in our brain, in America in particular, because of the Puritan background that we have, the, the background most of us as Christians have in our brains is we have to earn it. We have to earn God's pleasure. We have to earn daddy's love or daddy's approval. We have to work really hard to make sure we get saved or stay saved. That's, that's, a, that's a, a negative inheritance that we have in America from our theological beginnings. I'm not trying to bash the Puritans or anything like that. They were, they were great people, but they're, they're wrong in a couple items, and that's one of the big ones, okay? So we need to change our thinking. Fortunately, God says we can do that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind is what the Bible says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit to transform the way we think so that we don't think Old Covenant. Because the Old Covenant, you, is dead. Don't make any more plans for the dead one. They don't need that. Your dead self doesn't need any help. God wants you to walk forward. God wants you to live in freedom. He paid an incredible price so that yeah. you could live in freedom. Yeah. Away from that shame and away from that separation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yes, continue to be open to the Holy Spirit to correct you. Yeah. Guilt isn't bad. Guilt is the Holy Spirit speaking to your conscience and saying, hey, no, 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 no. no. Not that, this. You know that. Not that, this. That's guilt. And we respond to that with repentance. But shame is something else, and it's never of God. Shame is when you just you feel so heavy. 
because of what you did and you feel terrible and you beat yourself up and you want others to beat you up. You expect God to beat you up. Maybe you ask God to beat me up. God, grind me and mold me. And you use all these religious languages because you feel shame. And God's like, you're, you're imagining it. It's not there. It's gone. You're acting like you're still chained up like a prisoner. And I broke those chains so long ago. <laughs> so long ago. You don't have to think about the chains anymore. Um, I could do another 10 sermons on this, but I'm going to pause right now. I want to pray. Please join me in prayer. Father God, we, well, we thank you for the cross, first of all. We, we can't come close to understanding it in its fullness, but we sure are thankful. We are thankful for the new covenant. I pray that you would help us because, Lord, I confess, we confess that sometimes we slip back into old ways of thinking. We slip back into old covenant thought patterns, thinking that we need to earn our salvation. We need to earn our way to you. We repent. Lord, we repent. We give up our sin to you. You already paid for it. Help us to stop hanging on to our past, our failings, our sin, our shortcomings, whatever it is we're hanging on to. Unforgiveness, whatever it is we're hanging on to. Help us let go of that. Help us to let go of the shame that might be associated with these things. And Lord, oftentimes, I think we don't even realize that that's what's happening. We don't really even realize that we're holding on to that shame or we're letting it hold us back or keep us back from running on into the mission you've called us to in life, from running on to you. You want us to draw near to you. And, and here's, a little, here's a little test. Do you feel like you can draw closer to God? Do you feel like there's nothing keeping you from drawing closer to God? If you don't, there is probably a problem there, like we were talking about this morning. If you don't feel like you can draw as close to God as possible, then something's holding you back. And it's probably this old covenant thinking. It's a lie that you heard or started believing somewhere on, along the line that you couldn't do that because you are disqualified for some reason. But that is not true. Father God, I, I ask for a spirit of revelation this morning that you would reveal to us the truth of your word and the truth of the new covenant that we are now in, the truth of ourselves as a new creation ransomed, bought and paid for, freed from prison, a lost person that you came to save. We thank you that it is finished. It's not almost done. It's not step one through five is done and now you have to do step six and seven. It's all done. You fulfilled the entire contract, the entire covenant. You paid both sides and were the sacrifice. It is all finished. You won, Jesus. You won. Help us to walk into your victory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a responsatory song now. So stay in that attitude of prayer as we sing this song. The war is over. 
children held within the arms of peace. He has made a way for all. Mercy waits where sinners fall. He is our Question, comment. Let's start with people on Zoom. Like Isaiah or Stephen Luann. Anybody have anything they want to say? I'm listening. Anybody in the room? Ruth. making us accepted in the beloved and just living out of that life of acceptance um, is just reassuring to me because um, I just one of my sons let me know yesterday that there's something pretty huge he has concerns about me and um, so I I told him I would like to hear what those are and like have a courageous conversation so that I don't become too defensive in the process. And um, um, so just, it's just going into something like that where you know like, okay, there's something perhaps that I've done or maybe that was perceived that hurt somebody. I don't need to self-protect because I am completely accepted. And where I have failed, um, I can, you know, I can admit it. I'm already accepted and loved. I can accept, admit it to God. I could admit it to him and, you know, ask for forgiveness. And yeah. so it just feels like I feel more undergirded when uh, I'm undergirded in my relationship with God. What a great application of that. We don't need to feel insecure with God, certainly. We don't need to feel insecure in our relationships with other people. We don't need to feel insecure if there's a conflict that needs to be re resolved, because we are firmly established yeah. in Christ. His love for us is unshakable. His acceptance yeah. of us is unshakable. And that gives us a real strength then, right? When we have to go into those difficult situations, we have that strength. We walk into the room like, hey, nothing can actually hurt me, because I'm in Christ. Yeah. I may not like something here. Something might hurt my feelings, but I can deal with that. I can let that go, because ultimately, I'm invulnerable thanks to the cross, right? What a wonderful way to live that would be. What an easier way to live that would be. We wouldn't have to dread things all the time. We wouldn't have to feel unworthy all the time, right? We all feel unworthy because we know how our old nature is like. But God wants us to give up that unworthiness yeah. because he made us worthy. He knew we weren't worthy. He turned us into being like Jesus so that we could be worthy. So we need to let those things go. And that, what a great application of that. Yeah. Can I read? Sure. Karen and then John. From uh, Ephesians 2. It's happened to be a scripture in my devotional today. And I was reading it to um, 
was reading it to um, Paul last night, and I said, ah, oh, this is so incredible. I was reading the middle part, but I'm going to start from verse, chapter 2, verse 5. And we know this. We know this scripture area here. It is by grace. You know, made alive in Christ. And it's by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. That's all past tense. And yeah. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It's the gift of God. That's a lot for us to take in, in all situations. When we can ask the Holy Spirit to just empower us, strengthen in our inner being when lies and darts come at us. Mm -hmm. So Lord, for Ruth, I pray that you would strengthen her, strengthen her. She knows your word. She knows you. And uh, she is a strong warrior. But then times like this, Father, it seems not fair. And we uh, ask that you fight for her in Jesus' name. Amen. The whole, the whole gospel is in that passage. <laughs> the, the whole new covenant was in that passage. And it explains why does God choose us even though we're unworthy? Because we all know we're unworthy. God chooses us because we're unworthy intentionally so that in the age to come, he can show his grace and his mercy and his kindness. What better way to do that than to adopt an idiot or a sinner or a screw-up? Those are just the things I am today or rather was in the Old Covenant. What better way to show his power than to adopt us folks and bring us into the life of Christ? That shows his power. Amen? So let go of the unworthy thing. Anytime the unworthiness thing raises its head, speak to that. Take that thought captive. Put it in jail in your head. Take that thought captive in obedience to Jesus Christ is what the word says. So when you have that unworthiness thought, that shame thought, that I can't approach him, Right. for whatever reason, or even that feeling like you can't approach it. Right. I want you to take that thing captive. Do not listen to that. Do not believe that. That is, that is old covenant thinking. That's not what we're called to do now. Amen? John. I, I just can't picture uh, Ruth offending anyone. <laughs> so, right? <laughs> but, but the thing is, um, I'm, I'm going through issues with my own mother right now, and so I'm kind of sensitive to that. But what I did sense in your comments is maybe a, a hint of self-righteousness there, where kind of you're trying to prepare your defense before going in there to hear him out. And, and in this case, um, I can't picture you doing anything. But, but the thing is, that may have been seen through the eyes of maybe an eight-year-old or somebody who didn't understand at the time, you know, which is the case with our own daughters, which we've been through. Um, or my own mother, where she actually has stepped over the line and, 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 and hurt people um, and still trying to sort some of that out. She's 93 years old and should know better. 94? Five. Four. Oh, I don't know. Four. 194. <laughs> and, and, yeah, but um, just, just, I know if my own mother came across with a little more humility would be good to try to listen to understand. 
And, uh, and, and the thing is, you could, it's very likely with your son, it's not an issue with you, it's an issue with everything else that's going on in the world today. And, and he's just reaching out. And, and you're the, maybe the closest target. Maybe something he's said for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. case, yeah. And, and, and sometimes we don't mean to make someone upset or cause offense. They take something the wrong way or some way we didn't intend. Or as a parent, I, I say things or in a tone sometimes that I don't mean it to be short. I'm, you know, trying to get things done. I'm a get things done guy and I want the kids to join me in getting things done. And so sometimes I can be a little too short and they feel like I'm mad at them because they're not doing chores fast enough or whatever. And that's not how I intend it, but that doesn't change the way they feel about it. Um, So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about conflict resolution. We'll do that again later this year. But a great way to go into any sort of conflict, which you already said, is as much humility as you can muster and then ask the Holy Spirit to give you more humility. Because we can only do so much on our own. Right? So ask the Lord, help me to be as humble as possible. Let me be vulnerable like Jesus on the cross. Let me receive all the wounds. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay there and take it. Because you're not doing this for you. You're doing it for them, right? So right. take it. Just take it. Don't try to defend yourself. Just take it. Jesus didn't say a word when they were beating, beating him to death. He said not a word in his own defense. And he was innocent. Mm-hmm. He could have said a lot in his own defense. He could have paused and done a giant miracle to prove himself. He didn't need to prove himself right. And sometimes our, at least for me, my desire to prove myself right or to win an argument or whatever it is, oftentimes trumps what should happen, which is the humility. Because sometimes people just need to get things off their chest and then they feel better. Or who knows what's going on. Pray for them and then be as humble as you can. Take the blows, knowing that you're secure. Jesus has got you. And it may not be fun or easy. Um, Also, apologize right away. Apologize first, if possible. (laughs) I'm sorry for whatever I did. I really am. I didn't. Not, I I used to apologize in a way that sort of proved I wasn't wrong. (laughs) You know? I would apologize like, well, I I really didn't mean for that to happen. I I meant for this totally other thing, but I can see how you would very wrongly perceive what I said or did. And so I am so sorry that you did that wrong. Now, I didn't actually ever say it that way, but that's kind of what I was getting at. I'm so sorry you took that wrong. You should work on that. No, like that is the worst apology, right? No, no, no. I take responsibility. I am sorry. I will take it all on myself, even if it's not mine to take. That's this way. That's the Jesus way, right? He took everything on himself. He deserved none of that. He took all of my junk and yours and Ruth's, even though it's hard to believe she has junk to take. He took it, right? So be as Jesus-ish as you can. Yeah, just maybe one final note. Um, Yep. With our younger daughter, it's been... Actually, both daughters. It's parenting, okay? It's a it's right? hang on for the ride. Super okay? hard. You know, uh, shoulder straps, everything. You know, hang on. You know, it's um, um, a few weeks ago. Um, we, we were talking at length about things. Um, you know, our daughter just moved back from Seattle after kind of a turbulent few years, and and after and and so um, we talked at length about things, and. Uh, 
I mean, all the way going back to piano recitals, which is a, a, a child torture, okay? <laughs> you know, in front of, what, 50 people, they have to, you know, right. get a kid this right. tall. You know, yeah. just yeah. that we don't see, okay? And the, the teacher, you know, expectation, all this stuff. And But when kind of rapidly, she, she stood up and, and put her arms around us and said, Daddy, and then Mommy was there at that time, kind of moved over, and then gave us a hug and said, I know you did the best you could, you know? And the thing is, That's great. just acknowledging whatever we do, it's never good enough. It's never good enough. Um, we think it's our best, and maybe it is our best. And if we had to do it over again, it'd be the same, exactly be the same, because we're in the same situation. But now we're, we learn from it, you know? Um, yeah. And just um, believe it or not, the best relationship with with my daughters, you know, speaking for, she, she me has no faults, but is when I apologize. It makes me actually look of, of the highest stature in, in, with my daughters, and and um, uh, that they probably respect me the most. When, when, and, Amen. Uh, and where normally you think it'd be when you defend yourself and you could walk across yep. water, but in this case, when when I'm humble and apologize for my shortcomings. Yeah, it really is the opposite of the world's way of thinking, right? The world's way of thinking is win, and that'll make you look powerful. Jesus shows us that it's the opposite. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pause and end the service uh, for the sake of the tape, and then we'll keep going with the conversation. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to smile on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for joining us. Those of you at home or watching later, great to have you with us. And, okay. Uh